Good morning, everyone. This is Pastor Troy Bond with the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. Good to have you today for another great and glorious day in the Word of God. And so I'm just glad to welcome all of you sons and daughters of God who God is revealing Himself in and doing a tremendous work in. All of you that... Uh, that literally, that, uh, that the creation and the earnest expectation of the creature waiting for the manifestation of the sons and daughters of God. And so I'm glad that you're here ready to strap in to the, to the, to the seat that God has for us and to, to study the Word of God. And good to have Brother Steve. Man, we need to give a big round of applause for Brother Steve Ignowski coming back to us. Man, we have missed that brother. We love uh, Brother Steve and all that he's doing up there in Indiana and, and wherever else. Good to have you back, my brother. We've been missing you big time. But good to have everyone here. This is the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. Expository uh, teaching on the Word of God. We are uh, presently... St- <laughs> he said that, but he's blessing. Hallelujah. We are st- uh, presently doing an uh, expository teaching in the, the book of Romans. And I believe if this is class... What is it, Deb? Class 115. And folks, you may have noticed all of those previous classes are uh, uploaded onto the the website. I know we had kind of a delay. One of the classes would not upload. And as I said before, we're working on another hosting place to get away from that Z-Share, which is... uh, putting some provocative advertising but uh, in the meantime they're available there you can go there click them download them listen to them on your own computer you don't have to 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 go through the the advertising that's on there but we're working on that right now to get those actually hosted on our uh, main domain site so those will be there just uh, momentarily but if you have not been uh, with us the previous 114 classes can you believe it those things are available for you for a free download and we'd love you to come and to be a part of these classes on a daily basis we're here every single day Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. until 10 a.m. 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for what we call the most uh, radical and fastest hour on the internet, taking over the the airwaves for the kingdom of God and just blowing this thing wide open. I've got several ministers that have contacted me that we're working on helping them and their ministries and churches establish actually a web presence just like this coming on. And a pastor friend of mine, some of you guys know Pastor Joe Y. Rostick of Metro Church there in Metro Praise Church in uh, Chicago is doing a couple classes a week, at least three uh, programs a week. And some others are actually doing that as well, working with a brother in Miami who just signed up. He's going to be doing some things and some Street Church and a, and a pastor friend in uh, Southern California as well. So we're, we're coming out here and blasting this thing open. Hopefully we're pioneering some things to uh, get some other people out here uh, to get some positive messages of Jesus Christ and Him crucified on the Internet in a live type of format. So good to have every one of you. We want to welcome our international audience as well, pastors from uh, uh, Pakistan and India and Africa that are with us on a regular basis in the delayed format to take these classes and download them for their uh, indigenous uh, uh, schools there in, in those continents and we're looking forward to being with them in the next uh, year or two in most of those places and uh, Africa we, like I mentioned we've got an invite to go to South Africa with our, our uh, missionary friend Sandra Barry Young who's working there and working with lepers and uh, orphan children and the whole nine yards so we'd love to invite you for that and as just a bit of an invite don't forget we have our big uh, outreach in New Orleans coming up February 1st through the 5th if you've never been a part of that outreach or if you have uh, you, you need to be a part of this and I believe that God is about to bust some things wide open. And uh, 2008, I just feel prophetically, is going to be such a uh, strategic year. And uh, that because the, I believe things are going to unfold. We see the, the political situation here in the states and just the economic conditions worldwide. And I believe we're being set up for a tremendous time where people are not going to be able to fall back on their credit cards. They're not going to be fall, being able to fall back on their leaders. They're going to have to fall upon the Word of God. And so, man, we're just looking for a tremendous opportunity. We'd love to have you. One of the things we have done is to remove one of the obstacles. Many times people say, you know, I'd love to come if I can just afford it. And so what we've done is we've eliminated the registration. This outreach cost us about $26,000 to, to host, and we've eliminated the reg- registration. And so... Whereas it was like $165, $75 or more to, for, per person to offset those costs, uh, the Holy Spirit spoke to us and said, don't charge a registration, just let them come. And so that, that, eliminate, that eliminates the excuses, that eliminates that obstacle. We'd love to have you there February 1st through the 5th. We'll give you a place to stay. Uh, the, we'll feed you three meals a day. We'll, you'll see a t- 
team work together in a way that you've never seen work before. So we'd love to have you there. And what is it, 50 days, Megan? She's my official countdown person there on the thing. 50 days until we're going to unleash the freak show in the streets of New Orleans. So uh, desire for you to be there with us and let us know. You can get more information by going to our website, www.biggrace.com, clicking on the Mardi Gras outreach to give you the time, etc. of that, that we're going to be there. And so we'd love to have you on the ground. And I know Jesus would love to have you out there again. You know, just like we talked about yesterday, you know, the creation waits for the manifestations of the sons of God. They're waiting for you on Bourbon Street. They're waiting for you in the French Quarter. They're waiting for you in the Iberville housing projects. They're waiting for us to show up with the, the light that, that, that is going to shine into the darkened part of their soul and to bring them to a place of repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So, ba-ba-ba! We desire for you to be there and we'd love you to be there. I can't think of anything else that would be, uh, that you could be doing on those five days in February. But coming to, to the big easy and making it the big grace in Jesus' name. Once again, good to have you if you're joining us for the first time. We love you and we're just here to lift up the, the, the Word of God, to equip you for the work of the ministry, and to uh, see you go out and fulfill that destiny that God has for you to be a world shaker and a history maker for the kingdom of God. So let's go to the Lord in prayer today and just ask for His blessing on the teaching. And uh, for those that have been sick in body, man, I just believe that we're about to see God do some things supernatural in the areas of healing in 2008. And uh, we're going to be fasting to open up the new year. So begin to just ready yourself for that extended period of fasting. We'll probably be fasting the first seven days of the, of the, of the month of January. And just uh, uh, we'll have some early morning prayer times that are coming forth even before the teaching. And uh, just begin to work a, a work of a preparation and consecration to, to be able to hear God and to see a clear directive for the coming year. So, Father, we just thank you for this day. We just thank you for the opportunity to come together, Lord God, literally come together from the far reaches, Lord God, of the world. Father, I know that you're doing something, Lord God, that is, is so much bigger than any of us as individuals, so much bigger than any of us as his ministries, Lord God. That, Father, you're networking people together to cast a broader net, Lord God, Father, into the ocean and the sea of humanity, Lord God, to bring out a a draught of fish, Lord God, that, that none of us can contain, Lord God, on our own. And Father, I thank you, Lord God, for those that have a heart towards you, Lord God, and that are moved with a compassion towards the lost to go, Lord God, into all the world and to preach the gospel. Lord God, I, I just want to be that type of person that says, Lord God, here am I. Lord God, send me. Uh, I, I want to be that one that's, that's, that's the first in line, Lord God, that's on the cutting edge of what you're doing, Lord God, that's right out there when the, when the fish are biting, Lord God, when they're hopping. I want to be the first one in the boat, Lord God. I want to be gathering in those nets. And I just pray, Lord God, for that type of urgency to come upon the body of Christ, Lord God. Father, we need an urgency, Lord God, that is coupled with an expectancy that you're able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask or even think. And Father, I pray for those that may have been struggling, Lord God, in their heart and their mind, those that have been going through things. Father, I pray, Lord God, for my sister Danae there at Titusville, Lord God, who just recently left her, lost her stepfather, and for that family, Lord God, that suffered that loss. Lord God, I, I thank you that the Word says, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it dies being alone. But Lord God, that we can use that as a springboard, Lord God, for eternity for other people. And I pray in the name of Jesus for comfort and a peace, Lord God, upon that family as they're, as they're working through this loss and this tragedy, Lord God, that's happened in that family. But I pray, Lord God, that you'll use that, Lord God, as a tool to see many people come to Jesus Christ. And Father, those that are uh, going through other ordeals, Lord God, that are just you're, you're working the trial of their faith and patience. Father, I pray, Lord God, that they would have faith and they would not faint, Lord God, in this hour of adversity, that you would strengthen them. And Lord God, God, we just ask you today to search our hearts, Lord God, try us, see if there be any wicked thing within us, any unconfessed or unrepentant sin. Father, we just bring those things to you. We ask you to cleanse us, Lord God, to forgive us. Any uh, unforgiveness, any bitterness, Lord God, any, uh, anything that, Lord God, might be there that is contrary to, the, to the, the nature that you have imparted into us through our faith in Jesus Christ, Lord God. We do not want to be, Lord God, walking in obedience to the sin nature, but, Lord God, we want to walk in faithfulness to the power of God that's been poured out in our lives. We just ask you today, Lord God, to come and fill us, Lord God, with understanding. This cause the, the understanding of our minds, Lord God, to be fruitful today in Jesus' name. We pray for those that are sick in body, Lord God, regardless of what it is. We're asking you, Lord God, right now, from the top of their head to the soles of their feet, Lord God, to bring healing and deliverance. Lord God, those that are bound by, by drugs, whether they be uh, illicit drugs or, or, or prescription drugs, we're asking for a freedom, Lord God. Those that are bound, Lord God, by sickness and disease in their physical body, Lord God, we rebuke that in the name of Jesus, Lord God, and declare that by His stripes we have been healed, Lord God. Father, 
Father, those with high blood pressure and diabetes, Lord God, those with neurological disorders, Lord God, those with cancers, Lord God, or gastrointestinal types of disease, Lord God, whatever it means, bone problems, Lord Jesus, arthritis, Lord God, we just call that junk out in Jesus' name, and we just ask, Lord God, to be cursed, Lord God, and Father, to cease and desist, Lord God, from its torment upon the people of God, Lord God. Father, just be with us today. Fill us, Lord God, with understanding. Just anoint this time of, of teaching, Lord God, and, and receiving from your word in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen, 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 and Amen. Yes, migraines in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you so much for that. I'm, I'm believing and expected for those. If you have prayer requests any other time during the week, please send them to pray at biggrace.com, P-R-A-Y at biggrace.com. And we send those out to our team of international intercessors. And uh, we send those out. Uh, good to have you in here, Rick. Good to have you, my brother. And so uh, send those. We'd love to have you out. If you have any questions during today's program, please hold those off until the 10 o'clock hour. I'll stay as long as you would like me to uh, to be here. And i uh, love to answer your questions. We'll post a phone number at the end of the program that you can call me as well. So let's, let's look at the book of Romans, the 8th chapter, verses 19 through 22. Romans chapter 8, verses 19 through 22. Uh, my friend that's joined us, uh, MrAidsGallery.com, uh, I would ask if you have questions or comments, please hold those till the other part of the hour. It's not the sun god or anything else, or we're going to have to ask you to find another place to... Uh, Occupy for a little while. We'd love to have you, but we've got to have some type of continuity and order into this. So here's what it says in Romans chapter 8, verses 19 through 22. It says this. It says, For the earnest expectation of the creature waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. And we talked about that yesterday, that, man, there is a collective cry that's going out that people are waiting for you to show up. You know, whether it's your family, whether it's people at work, whether it's people in your city or out on the streets or in the ghetto or whatever it may be, whether it's people in foreign lands, they're waiting for you to show up. They're waiting for the manifestation of that inheritance that we've been talking about. They're waiting for the manifestation of a person that's not walking under condemnation because they're walking in the Spirit to show up. And what's interesting in these next three verses that I'm going to specifically kind of key in on today is something that is so relative to what we're going through. And I want to read those. Once again, it says, For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willing, but by reason of him who is subjected to the same hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and travails in pain until now. Folks, listen. Verses 20 through 22 are interesting in light of some of the things that are happening in the world today. And so I want to I kind of contrast something to you. Verse 19 utilizes the word kitis. T-K-I-T-I-T-I-S would be the only way to English spell that, that Greek word. T-K-I-T-I-S. Uh, and it's described, it's used to describe the creation in the sense of mankind being created. We see that in Genesis 1.26. So right there you can put that in uh, Genesis 1.26 in relationship to verse 19. But in verses 20 through 21, that same word is used in a general sense, but for the creature or the creation to describe those things created in Genesis 1, verses 1 through 25. And so the, these kittis in, in verse 19 is about mankind being created. In verses 20 through 21 is the kittis of Genesis 1, 1 through 25, which would include the solar system, it would include the earth, it would include the plant life, it include animal life, or anything else in creation apart from mankind. And so what this is saying that, yes, when Adam and Eve uh, fell, that mankind fell with them, but not only mankind fell. But all of creation, which had been created in perfection, was also now subjected to the effects of the fall. And so, folks, I think we miss that sometimes. That everything around us, whatever it may be, when Adam and Eve fell and sin entered into the, to that part of that kittis of that creation, what happened is it proliferated out into every single thing else. And so, when verse 20 says, The creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him uh, who has subjected the same hope, for the creature, all creation was, was, was made subject. And, and that word right there is very critical here. The, the cre creature or all of creation was made subject. And that is the word hupat aso. Hupat aso. And don't even try to write that down. It's hard enough to say, let alone write down. Or it means something that's been subjugated or conquered due to the control of something else. And so you can put that. It's made subject. And that word literally, that, that Greek word means to be subjugated or conquered due to the control of something else. And I want to read something to you. And so the, the creature was made subject to 
vanity stop. And so it was put under the, uh, the subjugated or conquered due to the control of something else. I want you to read, uh, read something with me just to give you an idea of what I'm talking about. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28. Genesis 1, verses 26 through 28. Don't you love how all the Word ties together? Every, every single bit of it ties together. When you start getting into the Word, and I, I know many of you that have been with us, for the, uh, most of the duration or the biggest part of this class, you, you see how we, we show how the Word ties together. I have people all the time that we're witnessing to out on the streets. And they'll say something to me like, you know, you'll be talking to them and they'll say they're a Christian. Then when you begin to nail them down with this Word, they, 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 they try to wiggle around, but then you keep bringing the words, you keep bringing the words, you keep bringing the Word, the standard of righteousness which is in the Word. Eventually you'll hear them say, almost invariably I hear them say this, well, I don't believe all the Bible anyway. Because once they, they come to you and they say, well, we're a Christian, we believe the Bible. But they don't even know the Bible because they don't read the Bible. They certainly don't study the Bible. And so when you begin to tell them what the Bible says, and you begin to show them how their life is lived, being lived in such a stark contrast to the Word of God, then the only thing they can do is just pull the ripcord of, their, of, their, of that line, that deception, and basically say, listen, I don't believe all the Bible anyway because there's just too many contradictions. If I've heard that one time, I've heard that a thousand times. And so my follow-up is, well, give me one of them. Well, there's so many of them. I said, well, if there's so many of them, you just give me one of those contradictions and I will answer that contradiction for you. It shows you in the Word of God that there is no contradiction in the Word of God that everything lines up together. Well, there's, there's a lot of them. I don't want to get into it right now. And I said, the reason you can't get into it, uh, you won't get into it, is because you can't get into it. Because a lot of that stuff's thrown out there. Well, somebody once said that this and that. And I said, so you don't know yourself. Or you don't even know what it says. You're just taking what somebody else said that there's contradictions. Folks, listen. There is no contradictions in the Word of God. You talk about something that lines up. A book that was written on several different continents over the course of about 1,600 years by multiple authors. 66 books put together called the Canon of Scripture. I tell you what, it is, it is solid. It is, uh, there's no compromise in it. There, there's no conflict in it whatsoever. And so as we see this pulling together, when he speaks in verse 20, He's taking us back to verses 26 through 28 of Genesis. And listen to what he says. He says, And God said, Let us make man in our own image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowls of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth and every other creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created man in His image. In the image of God, He created him, male and female. He created them. And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowls of the air, and over every other thing that moves upon the earth. And so, what we see here is Adam having the rada, R-A-W-D-A-W, if you want to uh, English spelling that that Hebrew word. And so, that Hebrew word is that that equivalent to that hupaot aso, that Greek word that we get about being subject to something or or or, or, or something coming under the the dominion or the control of something that's been conquered. And so, it's the, that it's exact same uh, meaning. It's exact same. Uh, 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 definition of two different words in two different languages. And so it means that, that Adam has been giving this, this rada and everything is subject or subjugated to his dominion and authority. And so what he, uh, he, he, he says goes and what he does affects everything. And so, folks, listen, this is really consistent any time in any type of leadership. And so we can take what he's saying that the, the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly. Or the, the creature had been, uh, everything created or, or had been subjugated or conquered due to the control of something else. It's kind of like in a family. You know, you, you have the, the, the patriarch, you have the father, and everything in, in, in the way that God has established ought to follow that. You see God's kingdom. You have God the Father. He is that, that head. Everything ought to be subject or under the control of Him. And, and folks, really, for any type of leadership, it should be the same thing. Where the head goes, what happens? The body follows. That's why in, in ministry, it's, uh, in, in our ministry, I can say specifically, that, that we're, we're so adamant about the conduct and the example being set by our leaders because we, we, we become the standard bearers to all those that are, that are subject to us or under our third authority. And really what we're going to find out is they will demonstrate the characteristics of the one that they are following. And so if you're a pastor, you're a minister, you're a leader of any kind, and there's people that are with you and following you on a regular basis, and you don't like the way they're acting, Go look in the mirror. What you're going to see is they're going to be manifesting your flaws. They're going to be, uh, they're going to be uh, uh, giving the example of what's inside of you. And so if you don't like what you see in them, you need to change what's inside of you. Folks, listen, I discovered that you know, years ago in my marriage. You know, Melly and I were both 19 years old when we got married. And uh, 
I, she didn't come with instructions, and I obviously didn't either. We'd had no history on how to be married. All I knew is how to be a teenage kid in, in school or whatever else. And so I got married, and, and man, you know what? I just thought you just pull the lever, and you say I do, and everything went great. Boy, was I in for a rude awakening. She was too. And so what happened is, is I began to see, you know what? Man, this isn't the woman I thought I was getting. You know, this isn't the one. What's wrong with her? Look at, and so what the Holy Spirit began to do, fortunately, we were both believers and called to the ministry and serving Jesus and loving Him at the time. And so I, what God began to say is He said, what you don't like in her is what you keep hidden in you. And man, you talk about a, a spanking. It's, it's one thing to get corrected by somebody else, but when the Holy Spirit says that, and so I began to say, God, I, I want you to correct those things in me that are just being reflected that are being robbed of in my wife because of she's subject to me because she's bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh because because she's subordinate to me in relationship to the role that that you have given us in this family Lord God I know that the problems that she's experiencing are the problems that I've created by by my lack of transformation in my own life and folks listen that's the way it is you know Paul the apostle said in First Corinthians eleven one he said be followers of me even as I am also in Christ. And in Hebrews chapter 6, that's First uh, Corinthians 11, 1. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 10 and 12, he said, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which we have showed towards His name, and that you minister to the saints and do minister. He said, And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. But be not slothful, but be followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. And so, folks, listen, he's setting that example even in leadership. And so Adam was created as the leadership. He and Eve were created as the leadership of creation. And in 1 Peter, here's another reference for you. Chapter 3, verses 12 through 13. 1 Peter, chapter 3, verses 12 through 13. It says, For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and His ears are over open to their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And who is it that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good? And so, folks, listen, if we're followers of the goodness, what's going to happen? There's not going to be no harm come upon us. So, this being followers or becoming imitators of that which you have become subordinate to or authority under the authority of. And so, I need to be under the authority of righteousness to produce righteousness. And so, what happened when Adam fell, he came out of the authority of righteousness. And the sin nature entered in. And so, what happened is, the creature... The creation was made subject to vanity. It came under the auspices of the dominion that Adam had. Do you see how that's affected every single thing? And so because Adam was entrusted with that rada, the moment he entered into rebellion, the sin nature came upon him and affected everything that was subject to him, and that would be the whole of creation. And so Genesis 3, look at this. Genesis chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. Genesis 3, 17 through 19 says this. It says to Adam, he said, because, now listen to that, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree which I commanded you, you must not eat of. Cursed is the ground because of you. And so if we want to know what the problem is with, with the, the creature or the creation and the problems with our earth, so to speak, and the environment. It's cursed is the ground because of the fall of Adam. Through painful toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and the dust you shall return. Then what's interesting about that, verse 20 says, the creature or the creation was made subject to vanity. And so that word to be subject to vanity literally means that it is not measuring up to its intended use or purpose. And so write that down. The creature was made subject to vanity. To be made subject to vanity was because of his fall, because now the ground is cursed, it will not measure up to its intended use or purpose. Now, now folks, can you imagine the condition of the creation before the fall? I don't think we can. Now, can you imagine a place that the second you drop a seed in the ground, boy, I tell you what, there's, it's guaranteed to produce fruit. That, that whatever's there is going to be perfect. You're not out weeding your garden. Uh, that everything is literally uh, working in complete agreement with creation. But the second that Adam fell, it undone everything. But now, here's something I've often thought about. You know, Adam and Eve were expelled from this glorious creation because of their fall, and the ground become cursed and everything about it. Now, then they went on and they produced, you know, obviously children came out of that relationship. Children that, that had never seen that type of creation. 
All they knew is the, the hardness. All they knew is the labor. All they knew is the thorns and the thistles. All they knew is the travail. Can you imagine a mother and father looking at their, their children who are saying, Mom and Dad, I'm having such a hard time. Mom and Dad, this is so difficult of a life. Mom and Dad. And those parents, Adam and Eve, who failed and, and brought the, 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 the creation of the creature subject to their vanity and, and brought it to a place that it was, it was not fulfilling its design purpose, having to tell their children, Listen, I just got news for you. It's not always been this hard. It's not always been like this. And you know what? It, it didn't have to be this way. Can you imagine having to take the blame for that? And you know, you're, you're living you know, nearly a thousand years and all these generations are coming and they're hearing your stories about how glorious the garden was and how, how beautiful and how God walked with you in the cool of the day. But you said, and, and then they see these calamities, they see the heat, they see the problems, they see the wild beasts of the field. And you say to yourself, there was one time that I used to be able to actually walk right up to that tiger and pet his head. There was a time that I could walk up to the wild boar and he just, he just ate grass and he was our, our friend. He, we, we occupied the same territory. But because of my fall, the ground became cursed and everything that dwelt upon that ground became cursed with it. And so, when we hear about uh, global warming or natural disasters or some other type of environmental problem, all of these things are the result of pollution. But not, folks, the pollution of greenhouse gases that are caused by the overconsumption of some fossil fuel or, 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 or anything like that, but they're caused by the pollution of sin due to the consumption of the lust of the flesh. And so what we're doing is we're polluting a world and, and it's not because we're, we're not driving uh, eco-friendly vehicles and all those things. Absolutely those things contribute, but those things are just symptomatic of the real problem. The problem with our environment, the problem with if, 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 you, if you adhere to a global warming type of philosophy, and I don't know much about that stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm preaching Jesus Christ and Him crucified the power of God. But all these things about the melting of the glaciers and, or whatever you see and these, these great tragedies that are happening. Folks, listen, that is the result of man's fall. Those things come out of us and we cannot deal with those things. You know, you can have your Oslo agreements. You can uh, meet in Bali like I believe they're doing right now or Al Gore's report on environmental concerns and, and all that stuff or we think we can do to stop or slow down the effect that we're having. But all these things literally are futile because they fail to see the real issue. Man has become polluted by the sin nature and to measure up to its intended use and purpose. Man has failed to measure up to what God has called and created us to do. And until man comes to that place that, that is only going to be uh, happening through the transformation of the blood of Jesus, and it's not going to happen in our lifetime, certainly we're going to see uh, people come to, to the king, we're going to see things happening, but until Jesus comes back and establishes his kingdom, you know what? You're going to have global warming. You're going to have earthquakes. You're going to have all these disasters. You're to have these things. Why? Because this world has been dominated by the sin nature. It's become subject to us and it's never going to be able to play out the, 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 the expected end that God had for it that we saw right here in Genesis chapter 1 verses 1 through 26. And so we polluted those things. We polluted the animals, the, uh, the atmosphere, all these things. They have followed in our rebellious footsteps. And for the creature, it says, was made subject to vanity, not willingly. Folks, listen, these things of the creation did not follow themselves because they're inanimate objects. They're, they don't have the ability to decide anything. So they fell unwillingly. Now what you have is you have these groups like PETA, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals. You have the, all these green organizations, green this and green that. They're trying to say that atoms, uh, uh, animals and trees and all these things are, are living things in the same sense as mankind is. And they spend more effort trying to protect the rights of dolphins and sea turtles and spotted owls and, and this bug and that than they do unborn children. Think about it. They'll throw this out. Now, you go and try to abort the, or go crush the eggs of a bald eagle. And I tell you what, they'll file lawsuits against you and throw you in prison. But you go snatch the, that, that, that eternal uh, soul and, and, and destroy that child in the, in the womb of a mother and they'll applaud you and call it, uh, call it choice. They'll call it uh, uh, freedom to choose. You, you crush the egg of a, of a bird or, 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 or kill a baby seal. And I tell you what, they're all up in arms. Why? Because that shows you how perverted creation has come. But folks, listen, it didn't start in the last 10, 25 years. It started 6,000 years ago when the one that had been given dominion over all these things fell. And all those things that had been become subjugated to him, those things that fell under him, fell as well. And so all the, all the issues that we're seeing in the environment are going to be the same results of that. And so can you imagine 
the global condition, if they would just invest the billions of dollars that they use for environmental issues to take the gospel to the far reaches of the world. Can you imagine if the church of the Lord Jesus Christ would operate with the same grit and determination that the environmentalists do? Now, these folks, they go out with grit. They go out with determination. They will tie themselves to a tree. They will set in a place. They will pick it and they will march. Now, what I'm waiting for is I'm waiting for the body of Christ to rise up and say, listen, that the creation, the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly. But God has called us to go out into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That those that repent, believe, and are baptized shall be saved. Those that are don't, they shall be damned. That we'll go out and preach that word with a zeal and a fire and audacity. You know what we're going to see? We're going to see an effect upon everything. We're going to see the, the we're going to see the the, the 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 fruit of us taking authority and dominion in the spiritual realm. But folks, listen, we know that we're going to, we can have an impact of that now. But when Jesus comes and He sets up His kingdom right here in the kingdoms of this world, shall become kingdoms of our God. Then we're going to begin to see the fullness of those things. And so the earth and all that's in it literally came under the effects of the fall unwillingly, but still they're demonstrating physically the same things that mankind is demonstrating spiritually. So all the problems we see on the earth and in the globe and in, in, uh, in, uh, in, uh, in creation, Listen, they're just a physical manifestation of what's happening in us spiritually. And just like I said, you know, when I looked at Melanie, I said, well, I can't believe she's that way. Well, I looked in the, the mirror. She was just reflecting what was going on in my life. Folks, so listen, if you're wondering about these ice storms in the Midwest, if you're wondering about these, these problems, tornadoes up in, uh, 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 up in the Ohio's, if you're worrying about the hurricanes down here in the Gulf or the, the, the earthquakes on the West Coast or the fires, folks, listen, they are just reflective of the inner turmoil that's happening with us because man has subjugated himself to the effects of the sin nature. Now think about 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. He said, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. What's going to come? Perilous times. Why? Because we know that uh, in verse 13 of that same 2 Timothy chapter 3, evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Listen, folks. As men wax worse and worse, creation will wax worse and worse. Because, as verse 20 concludes, because of one who is subjected the same in hope. But here's the good news. This is saying, when, it's, when it goes on to say, I want to read the second part of that verse. It says, uh, for one, but by uh, reason of him who is subjected the same in hope. And so what this is saying is that God is the one who passed the sentence to all creatures. All creation even. Yeah, when, when he cast man from the garden, everything then became as man. Slowly but surely deteriorating and become more and more corrupt and more and more uh, uh, infested with the effects of the sin nature. I want you to consider something. Think about Adam. Adam lived how many years? 930 years Adam lived. And, and he's been getting, but in that 930 years prior to the fall, he was given dominion over all these things. Now think about Adam's condition prior to the fall. Here's a person that was, was created in a physical body, not unlike mine, with the, subject, with the difference was it was not created subject to sin. It was not created with that sin nature in, embedded into it like, like ours is, deteriorating every single day. And so here was a man that was created with a physical body of flesh and blood that would never deteriorate, that would never fade away, that was made to last for eternity. Think about that just for a second. Now, that's hard to get your arms around, isn't it? That's hard to get your mind and your understanding around. Not only that, but he was given the task of naming everything. If I sit here and ask Deb, who's working the control booth today, if I just give her the simple task of just naming, giving, putting a name on every piece of furniture in this room, that, but she can't use the name. She can't call this table this table. She can't call this cup a cup. She's got to name everything. You know what? It's, it's going to be a tedious process. She's going to be thinking about, what, what would I call that? What would I refer to that? But Adam was given the task of doing all, and it doesn't say he complained about it. It just said he did it. He named every single thing. He named every fish. He named everything that crawled, every insect, everything that was on the earth. He was given that task of that. And so look at look what all that involved, that dominion. And so because Adam, you know, science says that we use less than 10% of the capacity of our brain. I believe that Adam was, was given full use of his faculties. That God didn't create him and he was already born, uh, you know, uh, halfway uh, 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 retarded in his thinking. But he had the ability to think those things out and reason with the completeness without being affected by the sin nature. But as time went on, what happened? We've seen the diminish of that. For, so from Adam, from 900 years... Uh, uh, 930 years old to us now what's happening we only got 10% of that nature Adam was living 930 years his son lived 912 years 
His grandson Enos lived 905 years. But think about it within, and you can, you can find this in, in the book of Genesis, with just a, a few years that, uh, that hundreds of years was being knocked off of their life. They're the father of creation and his children were living in the 900s. Then all of a sudden it dropped. You see an immediate drop. 500 years, 400 years, 300 years. Then from the time, by the time you got to like uh, Abraham, 100 years began to get old again. And so now 100 years is, is very old. My grandmother passed away this past summer and she was 101 years old. And we consider her very old. Now if somebody's 120, man, that's just nearly unthinkable. So folks, listen. Man is attempted to do, he's attempted to get around the fall. And so what he's trying to do is he's trying to put a band, uh, really a band-aid on the environment. They're saying, well, let's eliminate the greenhouse gases. Let's do all these type of things. He's, he's saying, okay, I'm trying to figure out what's going to happen. And so what happened is, is Adam fell, everything fell with him. So we try to get around the, the effects of sin. And so, again, we try to get around the effects of sin upon the body. So what do we do? All these medical practices that extend people's life. And so, when he tells us the creature was made subject to vanity, everything became subject to that sin nature. Everything began to get affected. The way we think, the way we live, the things that we do, all of those things were impacted. So, anything that we try to do to get around those things, listen, you just cannot get around them. And so, all of our efforts fall flat in regards to, to, to creation. And so the word says, but he has subjected the creature to the same thing, but in hope. And so what this tells us is that man's sins and that of creation, folks, is not hopeless. But when Jesus came to redeem mankind from the fall, all the creation is one day going to be redeemed. And so that's a lot of things talking about about it. Somebody had a question on this? No, so nobody didn't have a question. And so, folks, listen, what God is doing, he has given us the ability to come back to a place. Now I want you to hear something. Listen to this. Here's the promise that God gave us. He said He subjected the creature to the same thing, but in hope. All of these things that are happening. You know, I lived in New Orleans during Hurricane Katrina. During that, you know, it came and it destroyed much of the city. Eighty something percent of the city was underwater. Billions of dollars worth of problems. Uh, just the year prior to that, when all the hurricanes hit hit the, the hit here in Florida and, and where I live now, it affected all these things. You know, people begin to say, "Is that the judgment of God?" Absolutely not. Pardon? The, the problem is, is that people call that the judgment of God. They said, well, when, when hurricanes hit, when the tsunamis hit, is it the judgment of God? Folks, it's not the judgment of God. It's the effect of creation falling with Adam. All of those things are going to wax worse and worse as mankind wax worse and worse. And what you see globally, you see this millions upon millions of children that are being slaughtered in their mother's wombs. What you see is you see this, this great sex trade that's going on with, with children being sold into prostitution. You, you see all this, the, the, the drugs and the perversion. You see the, the effects of Hollywood. You see all these things that are going on that have affected these things that are really at the root. The fall of man is at the root of these catastrophes that are happening globally. But I want you to look at the promise. He said he subjected the creature to the same thing, but in hope. When man fell, God said, listen, everything fell with you. Everything that was subject to you fell as a result. But listen, I'm giving you hope. Now I want you to get, listen to this hope that he gives us out of Isaiah chapter 11 verses 1 through 9. Isaiah 11, verses 1 through 9. He said, There shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and the branch shall grow out of its roots. This is Jesus. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And it shall make him a quick understanding in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge after the sight of eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness shall he judge the poor, and shall reprove the, uh, the equity for the, uh, the meek of the earth. And she shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. And the righteousness shall, shall be the girdle of his loins, and the faithfulness the girdle of his, of his reins. Now listen to verse 6. Here's that hope that he's talking about right here in, in, in Romans chapter 8, verse 20. He says, The wolf shall also dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf with the young lion and the, and the and fatling together. And a child shall lead them. And the cow and the bear shall feed. Their young ones shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like an ox. And the suckling child shall play on the hole of the asp. And he be weaned, and the winged child shall put his hand in the cockatrice den, the snake, in the snake den. And they shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Now folks, listen. That which we're talking about there in verses 6, 7, 8, and 9 of, of, of Isaiah chapter 11, verses uh, uh, 1 through 9, 
It's the exact thing that, that Adam and Eve experienced before the fall, before the, 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 the creature, uh, the creation fell, and when it became subject to the, the vanity, when it, became, uh, it, it failed to produce the results that God intended for it, it ceased to be what He said is going to happen. Folks, one day that hope's going to be realized, that God's going to bring the hope back. There's going to be the manifestation of those promises, the limitations that we have in the natural. It says that this mortality is going to pick up immortality. We're going to be changed in an instant, in, in, in the twinkling of eye. Uh, or, or we're going to uh, receive a, a brand new new body. And the Bible says that, that this, world, or, or, uh, this earth is going to be consumed. This world is going to be transformed. It's going to be consumed by fire. And there's going to be a new heaven. There's going to be a new earth. And everything's going to come back to that place. And so, folks, if we think in the meantime that we can do something environmentally to change it, we're, we're misguided. The only thing that we can do right now is to change people spiritually that they can participate in that hope that is coming when, when Christ Jesus establishes His kingdom. <clears throat> and so now listen to verses 21 uh, through 22. He says, Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. In other words, the, He's going to bring a brand new world. He's going to bring a brand new earth that's going to be changed and transformed. He said, For we know that the whole creation groans and travail in pain together until now. Listen, hurricanes, tsunamis, earthquakes are the groans of a creation literally being ripped apart by the effects of sin. Folks, it's not going to be the elimination of the propellants in your hairspray that are going to save the environment. But what? But mankind re repenting literally and to believe the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It says in verse 21, the creature itself is going to be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Folks, one day, listen, there is going to be that new heaven and a new earth. There's going to be a new, brand new dwelling place for us that is going to be set up and established. That is the promise of His hope. Then verse 22, For we know that the creation groans and travail and in pain together and until now. Listen, he said in the last days, there's going to be earthquakes, there's going to be famine, there's going to be all these things happening in, in divers type places. It's the result of mankind's fall, the fall of Adam. But the good news is that we have a hope in Christ Jesus to change and to transform something, not in this world, but in the, the life to come. And to get people as participants in that. Folks, listen, that is what the, the world is waiting for. The, way, the world is waiting for us to come up with an answer. The answer is, is not in reducing, once again, the greenhouse's effects. The answer is not going to found in, be found in Oslo. It's not going to be found in Bali. It's going to be found in people preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God that comes not with observation, but inside of us. And so the urgency of the hour has got to, to, to be for reaching souls, reaching the, that groaning creation with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And listen, then what it does, so verses uh, nine, uh, excuse me, 20, 21, and 22 is dealing with the, the creation. It's dealing with all these effects that our, our sin and our, our failure had upon them. Then it turns it back in verse 23, and it says this. And it says, not only they, here's the good news. Listen, I'm going to restore that. I, I brought a hope to, to my, the creation that I created. But not only they, but our, ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even ourselves grown within, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. Folks, listen. What's happening is people are out there waiting for us to present them with the adoption papers of the Word of God. That's what they're waiting for. That's what he said. Not only us, but ourselves. We're the first fruits of the Spirit. The first fruits of the Spirit are those that God created after His own kind. Those that He created in His image. But there's a groan within ourselves. That's why pe people are groaning. That's why they're in illicit sex. That's why they're hooked on pornography. That's why they're, 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 there's all this marriage and divorce. That's why people throw themselves into their work and they become workaholics. Because there is a collective groan. But they're waiting for the adoption. And folks, you and I have the adoption papers of the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. When we begin to present the message of the cross, what we're doing is we're going and we're saying, I know why you're groaning. It's because that you are, you are like a, a fatherless child. You're one waiting for the companionship of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And we bring those adoption papers. And through their faith and through the, the witness and the testimony and the grace of God, He signs the adoption papers. But He don't call it the adoption papers. He calls it the Lamb's Book of Life. And the Word of God tells us in Revelation 22, it says one day but that book's going to be open. And He's going to look and see who's names are written down in the Lamb's book of life. And those that groan, but we did not present the adoption papers of the Word of God and the message of the cross. It says they're going to be cast into the lake of fire and it's going to be burning with the false prophet, the, the devil, and, and all his cohorts are going to be right there with it. So folks, listen, we have a tremendous duty, responsibility right now 
to do something to bring that hope, amen, that has been deferred, that has made the world sick, that's made mankind sick, we've got the opportunity right now to go and to impact people for eternity for the kingdom of God. Then it says in verse 24, it says, We are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man sees, what does he yet hope for? Folks, listen, what he's saying is, if you're, if you're just waiting to focus upon what you see, Listen, the gospel is not to affect literally what you see. It's to affect who you are. And so when he says that you are saved by hope, listen, that is a hope. That is something that's inside of us that God wants to bring. It's a guarantee of something. It's a guarantee of a better place. It's a guarantee of an answer. It's a guarantee of a transformation. God is not slack concerning His promises. God is going to bring the fulfillment. But he said, but a hope that is seen is not a hope. For what a man sees, what does he yet Hope for. I hear people all the time say, well, if, if God loved us so much, why don't He just fix everything? Folks, that's a hope scene. And so uh, God is going to fix everything. But what He's doing is He's going to fix us from the inside. What people and what the world is thinking, well, God, You fix all these things. But when God fixes all these things, what's going to happen is people won't have any need for Him. Why do I say that? Because it was the same way in the garden. They were in the garden and God had fixed. Everything was made in per- perfection. And so Satan came and he tipped him. He says, listen... God just don't want you to be like Him. God just don't want you to be dependent upon Him. God does not want you to be subjugated to His dominion. He's given you authority over that. What you need to do is you need to circumvent the, the will of God and the directive to not eat that and, 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 and eat of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that way you call your own shots. Folks, listen. God knows we've seen the effects of that before. So God wants... People say, listen, God, you just need to immediately fix world hunger. You just need to stop all these things. But God is saying, listen... I've created you to be that messenger of this hope, to be that messenger of life. And you're the one. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is the one that goes and preaches that message of righteousness. And he said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken but, uh, or God's seed begging for bread. And so what we want to do is, God, you fix all these things, then I'll serve you. I heard somebody tell me one time, came visiting the church, say, Pastor, you know, I know all the things that you want to do. And if I can just win the lottery, I'll give you guys a million dollars. In other words, he said, if I have more than I need, then I'll give you something. This is a person that wouldn't drop a dollar bill in an offering plate. Do you think for a minute that he won a million dollars or a lottery or whatever it would be, that we'd ever see him again? Absolutely not. He would just go deeper into his own sin. Folks, listen, we need to be faithful right where we're at. We need to do exactly what what God has called us to at this moment. I say all the time, our, our focus in our ministry, I want to do as much as I can with as much as I have. The more God puts into my hand and gives me dominion over, the more I want to do. I want to be faithful over those things that God has entrusted into me. Because if, if we're sitting there and we say, God, just deliver me from all this stuff, give me plenty of money, what do I have to pray for? Absolutely nothing. God, thank you so much. I'll, I'll, I'll see you at the end times. Listen, guys, that's not what the Lord Jesus Christ came for. I don't know about you, but I've got to believe God every single day. I've got to believe Him for my strength. I've got to believe Him for my family. I've got to believe Him for my finances every single day. I'm not sitting here thinking, man, I can't. it's Friday. Praise God, I've got a check uh, waiting for me I just because I punched the clock. I don't have that benefit. I, I don't know what I have today. I, I got what's in my pockets. I don't know what I'm going to have tomorrow. But I've got to trust God because there is a hope that has been set before me. But if I see it, what do I have to hope for? It keeps me praying. It keeps me believing. It keeps me trusting in God every single day. Then verse 25 says, But if we hope for that which we see not, then we do with patience wait for it. And so if I have a hope and I have a trust, even in something that I cannot see, what is it? It creates a patience inside of me. Now, folks, I'll tell you what, something that's sorely lacking in the body of Christ is that patience, is being able to wait upon God. I'll tell you something, early in my walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, man, I had a microwave mentality. You know what? 30 seconds, I want it heated up. I want something to be fully cooked when I get it. I want it to be, I'm a drive, I was a drive up window type of Christian, you know? 90 seconds in the drive up, give me a bag full of goodies and I'm on my way. But it was a junk food type of Christianity. Folks, we need to come to that place where we're allowing that patience to come into us. But, but when it's not seen, what does it do? It causes us to have that faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That there's a greater reality than what we see, and it's what God has said what God has spoken, who we are in Christ Jesus, not necessarily in what we just do. And so the power of God, when it comes into our life, it gives us, it, it, it says with, we, we do with patience, wait for it. It proclaims, listen, that there's a, there's a certainty that's inside of us, but that certainty produces a fruit in us of patience and of faithfulness and of willingness that the world is watching. And back to what, what, what happened with Adam, there's a world watching us. And so 
Is your Christianity a Christianity of verses 24 and 25? One that is, is seen not, but, but it waits. It's something that, that people are, are paying attention to you. And they're saying, listen, I know what they're going through, and I don't see their answer, but man, they seem like they have so much joy. They have so much faith. Or are you a type of believer that everyone knows when you're stressed out? Everyone knows when you don't have enough money in your pocket? Everyone knows when you're going through a difficult time? Or is it a hope inside of you that there's a certainty that people say, you know what? Man, I heard about what they're going through, but it seems like, man, they've just transcended those type of things. Folks, listen, that's what God wants for us. That's the desire that we can get into a mentality that we're transcending those things, the elements that are around us, that if a thousand fall on one side or ten thousand fall on the other, we're not moved by those things. That we're not, we can, as the Word says, that I'm pressed, but I'm not crushed. I'm persecuted, not abandoned. That I, I realize all these things that are happening when creation failed, that there's a groan that's going forth, but inside of me, there's not a groan, that there's a declaration of the goodness of God and the power of the Spirit and there's a constant endurance of faith that's taking place inside of me. And it says in verse 26, it says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities, for we do not know what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. And I don't, I'm not going to go fully into verse 26 today because I want to take a whole, a whole hour to dis particularly on Monday, to go into verse 26. And so we're going to wrap up today. But folks, listen, what I want to say, and I want to kind of pull all this, pull all this together in these verses. I want to read them together one time. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who is subject to the same hope. And so basically what he's saying is, listen, when Adam fell, everything fell as well. It didn't fall willingly. It fell because it was subject to him. But God has subjected those things to a hope. He's saying, listen, there's going to be even hope for them. And so verse 21, because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. God is saying, listen, I'm going to make a brand new heaven and a brand new earth. And for we know that the whole of creation groans and travail in pain until now. And so what we're going to see it saying in verse 22 is there's going to be hurricanes. There's going to be tornadoes. There's going to be mudslides. There's going to be all these problems because that is the groan of a creation that is seeing the effects of sin upon the world. But one day, God is going to bring a liberty and God is going to bring a victory. But back to us, listen folks, we're saved by hope, verse 24, but hope that is seen is not hope at all. For what does a man seeth? But he, uh, uh, why does he yet have something to hope for? What he's saying is, folks, listen, basically hold on. Hold on to your hope. Hold on to your faith. Hold on to the truth of the Word of God because the answer is coming. The victory is coming. One day we're going to look up and say, yes, my redemption draws Nah. Folks, we're out of time today. But listen, uh, uh, allow God's Word to really speak to you this weekend. And get into the Word of God. Don't, 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 don't take the time off. And, and, and really, go put your hand to the plow. We're going to be out on the streets. Appreciate your prayer this, this coming weekend as we're out taking the gospel uh, to the world and believing God's going to do some tremendous things. Pardon? Thursday. It is Thursday. Praise God for that. You see, I'm already on fast track. We will be back tomorrow. I've lost the day somewhere. Thank you, Deb. That's why she's here in the control room. And she thought she lost it then. I thought I did. You can tell I'm racing towards the weekend. We will be back tomorrow. Thank you so much, Deb. With uh, uh, this verse uh, uh, 26, and I believe that you're going to get something incredible out of that. Folks, got been a bit, one bit of advice for you as we close out today. Get into God's Word, and God's Word will get into you.